You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So open the Word of God with me, would you? Would you open the Word of God with me this morning to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 23? I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to you, beginning with verse 1. And then after I've read it, I want you to answer a question. And here's the question, okay? So in this passage of Scripture, what do you learn about God? So as I read, I think you're going to have to pay really close attention. And you might want to follow along in your Bible. It might help you in answering that question if you have your Bible open in your lap. And if you didn't bring one, there's probably one in the seat rack in front of you. Uh, Grab a Bible, open it to 1 Samuel 23. And the question that I'm going to ask you to answer when we finish reading is what in this passage do you learn about God? Okay? So let me put the words on the screen. Here we go. Well, you know, I'm kind of jumping a little bit here. I should tell you the context of what's going on. So let me, let me come back to that. What, what is going on is there is a king of Israel whose name is Saul. And Saul has not obeyed the Lord's command. And so God has rejected him as king. A young man named David has been anointed. Saul is about to lose his mind. And so he decides the only way to keep this from happening is to kill David. And he is pursuing him. And he's doing crazy things. He's in a city called Nob, N-O-B. And he has 95 priests killed with all of the women and children, even infants. Men, donkeys, cattle. Everything in the town killed. And he's in great pursuit of David. And it's in the midst of all of this that's happening that we come upon to chapter 23, verse 1. So let me read to you now. So when David was told, in the midst of all that's going on in his life, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kilah, and they are looting the threshing floors. So this next phrase, until we get to the comma, will you read it aloud with me? He inquired of the Lord. Now, I almost fell off the stage, and I didn't give you time to get it together. So let's read it again, okay? He inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? And so the Lord answers David, Go, attack the Philistines. Save Kyle. But David's men said to him, Here in Judah, we are afraid. I mean, we're running from Saul's men, and we're afraid. So how much more, then, if we go to Kilah against all of the Philistine forces? Once again, maybe we can read the phrase together this time. David inquired of the Lord. And so the Lord answered him, Go down to Kilah, for I'm going to give you the Philistines into your hand. And so David and his men went to Kilah. They fought the Philistines and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Kilah. And then there's one last verse in this section of Scripture. And I don't think it's going to come up on the screen, but let me grab my Bible here and just read it to you, okay? In, in my translation, it's in parentheses. It's just like there's a side note here, Okay. So Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, who was a priest who was killed in Nob, he found, or rather he brought 
the ephod. Do you know what an ephod is? He brought the ephod down with him when he fled to David at Kilah. So why would Abiathar, a priest, the son of Ahimelech, why would he bring an ephod down when he comes to see David at Kilah? So, what did you learn about God when we read the passage? If, if, if you only read that passage, in other words, I know that you know a lot about God by reading other passages of Scripture, but if you only read that one, what have you learned about God in that passage of Scripture? So, this may be a little dangerous, but I think I'm going to go this route and ask you if you want to shout out some things that you learned, okay? You might wave at me or something, but so what do you learn about God by reading this passage of Scripture? Anybody got anything that you can share with me? He gives us direction. He gives us direction. You can ask a question. You can ask God a question if you want to. He answers. He answers. God actually answers you when you ask Him a question. God hears us when we call out to Him. He fights for us. But those are the kinds of things that I picked up as I was reading through it. And... And I'm reading it and I'm realizing, okay, if somebody said, tell me what you can learn about God from this passage, I would say, well, when people cry out to God, when His people cry out to Him, when they call out to Him, when they pray, apparently God hears us. Because what happens to David? He calls out to God and God heard David. Not only do I learn that God hears us when we pray, but I learn that God is concerned about our situation. God is very aware of what's going on in our lives. And so, man, here I am going through some stuff. And God is very aware of what I'm going through. In fact, He's concerned about my situation. I also learned that He answers us when we pray. And so when we call out to God and He hears us, and He's aware of what we're going through, He doesn't cross His arms and just sit in silence watching. No, He responds. God answers our prayers. He gives us direction. He tells David exactly what you should do. And I also learned that God makes promises to His people. And then I learned that God keeps His promises. Pretty good stuff. I, uh, I was playing golf this week with a group of guys. A lot of them attend our church. They invited me to play in this golf outing with them. And so I did. We had a really good time. The weather was perfect. We... Um, we played okay. We could have played better, but we had a lot of fun. And so, at one point, we're walking off a green, and, and we're not in a, a long conversation about this. It was kind of quick, but one of the guys just says to me, You know, Pastor, I don't do well praying for myself. I struggle to pray for myself. He said, In fact, I don't, I probably don't ever pray for myself. With a smile on his face, he pointed at me and says, I have no problem praying for you. But I don't pray for me. I happen to pray for myself. Maybe it's because I know that I need prayer so bad. But I pray a lot to be a better dad or to be a better husband or a better pastor. I should tell you that uh, I'm not a grandparent yet. Um, My Brittany is... uh, is pastor due date a couple of days and so the doctor assures us that if Brittany has not had the baby by a week from tonight that she'll be admitted to the hospital 
and have the baby the next day. I think I heard some moms who have been down that road just groan a little bit or moan, like that's a, it's a long wait. But that's coming. So I've been praying for Brittany. And I've been praying for this new little baby that's going to come into our lives. I, I pray for you. And there's some of you that I've been praying for every day because of what you're going through in your life. And the only reason I'm talking like this is because I'm just getting ready to ask you a question. So what do you pray about? Is, is most of your prayer filled with asking God to help you or someone that you love or know? Is a lot of your prayer just kind of in a warm conversation with the Lord, just kind of sharing your heart with Him? Is a lot of your prayer about giving praise to Him? I guess what I really want to ask you is how much of your prayer is really asking God for direction in your life? So God, what is it you want me to do in this situation? Because when you look at David's life, it's really what his life was about. Before David made major decisions, or maybe even minor decisions for that matter, you know what he did? He stopped and he said, God, I want to ask you, do you happen to have an opinion about this? Because God, if you have an opinion about this, it's very important to me, and that's what I want to do. And so that's the way that David lives his life. He inquired of the Lord, God, should I go or should I stay? God, what do you want me to do? The story starts a lot earlier than this. It actually starts in chapter 8 of 1 Samuel. The people of Israel have functioned under a theocracy. You know what a theocracy is? It's where God governs you. God is your king. And so they go to Samuel, this prophet, and they say, Samuel, we want you to give us a king. We want to be like the other nations. And God says to Samuel, it's not you they are rejecting, Samuel. It's me they are rejecting. And so if they really want a king, you should give them a king. And so Samuel says to the people of Israel, listen, if I give you a king, do you know what he's going to do? He's going to make you pay taxes. Can I get a witness in the house this morning? And you know what the people said? It's okay. We want a king. No, wait a minute. If, if I give you a king, he's going to make you his servants. He's going to take your sons and your daughters. It's okay, they said. We want a king. We, we have been involved as a church. You have been involved prior to my coming in a small country in Africa called Swaziland. And I was reading a report recently in ABC News defined Swaziland as the last true monarchy in existence. There is a king in Swaziland, and he rules. Give us a king. And so there was a young man whose name was Saul. His father's name was Kish. The Bible says that Saul was better looking than any man in Israel, and that he was taller than any man in Israel. And his father's donkeys were lost one day, and so Saul goes with the servant looking for his donkeys. And after a few days of looking, Saul says to the servant, My dad is going to start worrying more about us than he's worried about the donkeys. We should go home. And the servant said, Wait a minute. In this town, there is a man of God. We should consult him. Maybe he could help us find the donkeys. And so Saul and his servant went to see Samuel. 
And God had said to Samuel, tomorrow about this time, you're going to see a man. I want you to anoint him as the ruler over all of my inheritance. He will be the king of Israel. And so when Saul met Samuel, God said, that's the man. And before they leave, he sends the servant away and he has Saul get on his knees. And I can imagine it was a dusty road. And so here's this great prophet of God, Samuel. And he takes a flask of oil, the Bible says, and he pours it over Saul's head. I, 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 wish, I wish I could make this even more real to you. I think it was one of the most amazing things that's happened in the history of the people of Israel. That this, that this man, Samuel, this great prophet of God, takes this oil and he pours it over the head of Saul. And it runs down through his hair and into his beard and drips onto the ground. And Samuel says to Saul, you are the ruler of all of God's inheritance. You are the king of all of Israel. I mean, I don't know if you can grasp or not, or if I can, the weight of this occasion. Here is this tall, good-looking young man who has got everything going for him, and God taps him on the shoulder and singles him out and says, you're going to be a king. Everything is going for Saul. For a while... And he messes up really bad. It was goofy. Honestly, it was silly. He just didn't want to wait. God's commands were really clear. And he just said, I'm not waiting. I'm going to go ahead and do it my way. And so Samuel says, Saul, you, you have not kept the commands of the Lord. Your kingdom will not endure. God has sought out another man after his own heart to rule his people. And Saul becomes very jealous of this young man, David. David is anointed in his own home in front of his father and his brothers. And the same prophet of God pours oil over his head and says, Now you are the king of Israel. David is a great warrior. He kills a giant named Goliath. He slays thousands. In fact, they used to sing this song, Saul has slain his thousands. But David, no, no, he has slain his ten thousands. And Saul becomes bitter and he becomes jealous and he decides, the only way I'm going to stop this young David is if I take his life. And so he is chasing David all over Israel. And David is running for his life. It's in the midst of that that the word comes to David. Our enemies, the Philistines, are invading this little place called Kilah. And so David inquires of the Lord because that's what he did. He would ask God before he did anything. Is that what you do? Because that's what David did. It was a way of life for him. Before I make any major decision, I'm going to ask God, God, what should I do in this situation? And so he says, God, should I go? And God says, Go. He goes back and he gets his men together. We're going to Kyla. And they say, but we're afraid. I mean, if we're afraid running from Saul, how much more afraid should we be from running from these great Philistine forces? And David says, okay, I will double check. And so he goes back and he inquires of the Lord again. Should I go? I thought I heard you say yes, but just wanted to make sure. God says, go. When I was a 
much younger pastor. I was in my early 30s. One of the responsibilities you have as a pastor is to be the chairman of the church board. So there's, there's representatives that you elect every year who serve on the governing body of our church. They're good, godly people. You elect them for the right reasons. And so one of my responsibilities is to chair that board, to be the chairman of that board. We meet every month. Well, a lot of months, I should say. I remember when I was, I was young, I, I probably didn't know much about chairing a board and maybe not a lot more now. I think God teaches me as I go. And I learned some things about leadership as I go. But I went in a board meeting one night and I threw out this grandiose idea. I thought it was a great idea. And after I delivered the idea and kind of set the whole thing up, there was a guy whose name was Frank was on the board. And Frank just starts closing all of his books and his notebook. And he just, I'm kind of loud. It's just kind of like this, you know. And, gets, and it's obvious Frank is leaving. And he stands up and I go, Frank, what are you doing? Where are you going? I'm done. I mean, we're at a board meeting. So why, why are you done, Frank? He said, because I don't operate this way. What way? You walk into the board meetings, you throw out a big idea, you want us to vote on it right then, you don't give us time to think about it, to pray about it. Just doesn't work for me. I'll see you. And he walks out the door. Do you have any idea how awkward it was when that door shut and all the board members just looked back at me? And I got up the next morning, I said to Annette, let's take a vacation day. I was hurt. I was a little bit... Mad. I was kind of upset. I couldn't believe this guy. So Annette's family lived an hour away, and so we went and we spent the day. And, and I remember eating dinner, and Annette saying, you ready to go home? I'm like, no, I didn't want to go back to that town. You know what I mean? I just, that's a bad town to be in right now. <laughs> Finally, it's late at night. We put the little girls in the, in the family van, and they're asleep, you know, in seconds. Annette is over there, sound asleep. It's just me and the Lord driving and I'm kind of sharing my heart and how my little heart has been hurt. And I felt like the Lord was considerate of my heart. But then I had a thought and I knew in my heart it was from God. And he says to me, what if Frank is right? You know those moments in your life when God just turns your heart? You might feel anger or bitterness. Or you might be holding something against someone and the power of the Holy Spirit just works in your life in such a powerful way and God just kind of changes your your heart. He changes the way you think, the way you feel. And I remember whatever negative feeling I had toward Frank was just gone. And I'm crying as I'm driving in the darkness and I'm saying, Lord, Frank probably is right. I got home and I called Frank the next morning. Can you meet me for lunch? Absolutely. I walked in the door at the restaurant and as soon as I got set down at the table, Frank starts apologizing. I should not have done that. If I'd had a problem, I should have come to you privately. I've embarrassed myself. I shouldn't have walked out of a board meeting. I don't think I should ever serve on a church board. I don't think I'm ready for that kind of thing. And I said, wait, wait, wait. If you need to say any of that, that's okay. That's fine. But I think, Frank, you're right. You know what I learned as I kind of moved through life? 
If it's a really good idea today, chances are good it's going to be a really good idea in a few weeks. You know? Why not just pray? Why not just take some time to inquire of the Lord? Why not just kind of take a step back and say, I think this is really a good thing to do, but I'm going to make sure God is good with it. Because that was David's way of life. Listen to me, okay? Here's what happens. In this passage I read to you two times it says, David inquires of the Lord. When you get to the next paragraph, you know what it says happens again? David inquires of the Lord. When you get to chapter 30, you know what it says about David? David inquired of the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 2, David inquires of the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 5, David inquires of the Lord. 1 Chronicles 14, you know what David does? It's just the way he operated. You're going to take that job offer? It's more money, right? I don't know. I'm going to pray about it. Because I assume that God has an opinion. You're going to marry him? Seems like a great guy. I might. I'm praying about it. Because I've got a feeling God has an opinion about who I marry. So just pay attention for a moment if you can, okay? You know what the primary difference between Saul and David is? You ready? Just going to read Bible to you right now. You ready? Throughout the Old Testament, we read over and over again, David inquired of the Lord. But when we get to 1 Chronicles chapter 10, you know what it says? Saul did not inquire of the Lord. Major difference. David is always asking God for guidance. Saul did not. It's in a summary of his life when he dies. He did not keep the Lord's commands and he did not inquire of the Lord. Do you know who he did inquire of at one point? A medium. There's some really good stuff here and I don't have time to talk about everything, but he not only obeyed, but he obeyed... I'm sorry, he not only inquired, but he inquired with the intent of obedience. I read, I read on the screen a moment ago when Kyle was singing this verse from James. Don't just listen to what the Word of God says. Do what it says. And it says, David did what the Lord commanded. And was, Kyla rather, was saved. So let me, just, let me just chat with you for a minute because I think that naturally... When we read scripture, we begin to apply it to our lives and questions come to our mind. And so I'm going to make an assumption that there's one question that's come into your mind, okay? And the question is, why, why did Saul not, why did Saul not, you know, inquire of the Lord? What was going on there? I, I remember one guy coming to me one day and he sat down in my office and he's losing his job and he's a nervous mess over it. And he tells me what he does and what he did rather. And, and I'm thinking to myself... Man, that was really not very smart, you know. No wonder you're losing your job. And I said to him, before you did this, did you talk to your boss? And he goes, oh no, I knew what his answer would be. 
Sometimes. I think we're just going through life at a pretty good pace and we don't stop to think and pray about things. But I think there are other times when it's more like that. We don't ask God because we know what the answer is going to be and we don't want His answer. Did you ask God about dating that person? Are you kidding me? Have you met the person? You think God's going to give me a green light? Did you pray about that job? I would have, but I really wanted the job. And I was afraid God might say no. It kind of comes back to this, there's only one sin conversation. It's when I say to God, I'm going to be in charge. You know what it was for Saul? The very first time, he was unwilling to wait. Wait for Samuel. He will come and offer the sacrifice. Saul said, it's, it's okay. Saul, Samuel's not here. I'll do it now. And, and I just look at people who say, I would, rather, I would rather have this now than have God's best later. Could I tell you how many young girls that I've talked to who are in really hard relationships, marriages, and they say to me, Pastor Rick, I, 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 know, I know when I did this, you know, that it was not God's will. But at the time, being with somebody was better than waiting for God's best. Do you know how many young guys I've talked to who have lost marriages, who have said to me, I knew it wasn't right, but I wasn't willing to wait for God's best. So how do you know God's will? Okay, let me go back to this last verse that we failed to get on the screen, but it's in your Bible and it's in parentheses in mine. So Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, who was a priest, that means Abiathar was a priest also, he brought the ephod. You know what an ephod is? Anybody thinks they have a guess? I'm not going to let you guess out loud. I just wondered if you have a guess. It was like a mantle, a cape, that a priest would wear over his garment. So it's a linen cape, and he would put it on. And we don't really understand clearly what's going on. A lot of scholars have a lot of different ideas. And to be honest with you, everybody is just speculating. But somehow it was used in determining the will of God. And, and, and when I hear that, you know what my response is? Then I want an ephod. I would like one of those. I would like something that you can bring and lay over my shoulders or put it over Lewis's shoulders and we'll just figure out what God's will is. Don't you wish God would just make it more plain at times? You know, just turn left. I would love that. I would know I'm on the right track. You know, stop doing that. You know, he does say that sometimes. Not audibly, but I do hear that. Don't you just wish it was more clear? We need an ephod. But over these last several weeks, I think we've figured out that we have one. The gift of the Father. In the past, God spoke 
through his prophets and in various ways, right? Remember last Sunday? In these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. His son, Jesus, says, I'm leaving, but it's okay because I will send the Spirit. The Father, rather, will give you the Spirit. And he will do what? John 16, he will speak to you. And it amazes me when I look back over my life. God speaks to me through others, through people. God speaks to me through opportunities. God speaks to me with this inner voice. God speaks the most objective way to me. He speaks is through His Word. But God speaks. And I've just had to say, just take a step back in my life. Many times God will speak. And when I talk to people about finding God's will, I try to encourage them by saying, I don't want you to be worried. Don't wring your hands. God is not going to leave you without an answer if you're truly seeking His will. Because God, where did we start? Hears us when we pray. Cares about our situation. Answers us. Reveals His will, makes His will known to us, makes promises, and He always keeps His promise. So I think this is the million dollar question. Am I more like David? Or am I more like Saul? Is my primary mode of operation inquiring of God? Do I seek? Do I ask? Do I consult? Do I inquire of God? So, we have something to sing, don't we? You guys want to come? So I think, I think that maybe there's a few responses to, uh, to God's Word this morning. And I think one response might be that I, I really, Rick, should, should be inquiring of God. And, and I'm tending to Captain Mullen's ship lately. I think another response is that I'm, I'm working through something in my life now and I'm seeking God's will. And, and I, really, I really need God's help in an upcoming decision in my life. And I heard today that He hears us pray and that He cares about our situation and that He answers and that He reveals His will to us. And that's what I'm needing today, Pastor Rick, is God's direction in my life. And so I'm going to ask us to sing, and if you want to pray before you leave this morning, you are free to do that. In fact, you're welcome to come here and pray and kneel at an altar. I've grown up in a tradition where I've kind of gone to the altar to pray all my life. Last week I was at a pastor's conference, and I was blessed to be able to go to the altar and pray. Good place to talk with God. And sometimes people come and they... They kneel beside us and they pray for us. And I love it when people pray for me. I've got to wonder this morning if, if there's someone here who say, Rick, I, 
not living my life to honor God. I have sin in my life. I know I need to be forgiven, but I need much more than that. I need my heart to be turned. I need to be transformed. The Father has provided for our forgiveness by giving His Son Jesus on the cross who took our sins upon Himself. Much deeper than just being forgiven, it's about being born again. It's about a new life in Christ. So if you want to find Jesus this morning as your personal Savior, He will forgive you of your sins, but He will change your heart. And so if this morning you want to become, become a Christ follower, you can come and pray. and You can do that. If you want to be anointed for healing... There'll be pastors on each side of the altar. They will be glad to anoint you and pray for you. Or if you just want to pray about something going on in your life or pray for a friend, you're welcome. Why don't we stand and let's sing together and let's end our time together by praying together, okay? might want to leave quietly today or if you want to come and pray you're welcome to or join someone that's here so let me bless you may the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you God bless you you have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene visit us online at bethanynaz.org